Thank you so much, Keegan and Kenzie, for leading us in worship. And good morning, everybody. It's always good morning. It's always fun. We have the, the um, Christmas at Northwestern maze up here on the stage, right? So pray we don't fall off or anything. Um, well, uh, it is great to be back uh, again here on day two of this week that we are uh, really converging three different themes. Uh, one is the overarching theme of abundant life that we've been unpacking and exploring um, that uh, Jesus came uh, to give life and give it to the full. But we look at how Jesus came. Um, and we look at in Christmas time of, of that theme of Advent, um, of, of waiting, as, we're, as we look back and we remember his first coming, but we also look forward as we anticipate his second coming. Uh, but then also this theme of a window looking at Advent from a little bit different of a perspective of that of through adoption. And um, if there was ever a story about an unplanned pregnancy and about an adoptee, it was the Virgin Mary and the baby Jesus. And, and as, as really God the Father um, was Jesus' biological dad, so to speak, that he had an adoptive uh, father of Joseph. And we know that there was a significant amount of challenges and, and struggles and opposition and a lot of, um, uh, really a lot of uh, kind of trauma that surrounded that time. At the same time, it was, it was the way that God chose and sovereignly ordained to bring the gospel, to bring the light of the world, to bring the savior of the world and breaking into human history. And so um, we wanted to really talk about th that avenue of, of, of abundant living. Um, and for really, I say as well that Christians aren't just pro-life, we're pro-abundant life. And it's not that we're supposed to be pro-life, but we're not pro-life enough. And one of the aspects of, of pro-life is that of adoption. And there's um, just a, a, so many beautiful different vantage points that we look through on what adoption means and all that it entails. And so we're really exploring and unpacking that this week through conversation, through testimony. And so yesterday we had New Life Family Services uh, here, and we'll have them back again here tomorrow. But uh, this morning actually is a, is a bit of a partnership between spiritual formation and, glo and uh, global and local engagement. Also, global engagement, which is kind of the, you know, just put them together. So, um, so this morning uh, we have uh, one staff and two students that um, are going to be sharing about their adoption uh, stories and, and, and really to share their testimony and their lives with us this morning. Um, and really as an avenue of, of God's work of grace and the gospel at work in their lives. And so it's really, it's, it's an honor to be able to have them with us. And uh, so I, I wanted to just give a, a moment to allow them to introduce themselves to you. So um, just real briefly, uh, to your, your name, um, what your role is if you're on staff and year as a student. And then um, let's say if... Uh, I was going to give them a Christmas question to answer just for fun, right? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go with one that we talked about earlier. So if you could, if, you, if there was any present that you could actually pull out of a stocking. So I don't know if you did stockings growing up as a family, but like your stocking present, what would that be? So there, 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 there's your Christmas question. So we'll start, start with. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Michalia King, and I'm new on staff this year, so I'd love to meet more of you. Um, I work in student life. Um, I'm the international student support coordinator, so I work with our awesome international students. And uh, if I could put get anything in my stocking, I'm pretty sure puppies can fit in stockings. <laughs> so I'd like one of those. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm Mariah Nelson, and I'm a junior psychology major. Um, and I think I would want money. Like, you can fit a lot of money in a stock. $10,000. Like, like, cash or checks? I mean, you I could mean, really, yeah. it's, okay. 
Okay. The options are endless. Oh, wow. Hi, I'm Kira Scott. I'm a freshman and a philosophy major. And if you could put anything in a stocking, probably jewelry. You could fit a lot of that in there. Mm -hmm. Puppies, money, and a bling. All right, we got, <laughs> there we go. So now you have some ideas. Um, so one of the things that, that um, we, we talked about in some part of our conversation and just, uh, just a really a question to springboard for the, each of you to, to share a little bit. Um, you know, I think if you've met one adoptee, you've met one adoptee. And while there are uh, some, some similarities, and for instance, you know, you, you, in your conversations with one another, um, you're all transracial adoptees, but you have very different stories. And, um, and really, there are two sides to the coin of adoption. Of One, there's a beautiful, wonderful, redemptive um, part of it, but there's also some significant challenges, um, some things that are really difficult that you have faced. So would you be able to share um, just kind of both sides of that perspective? What, what's something that's been wonderful and beautiful and great, but also what's been maybe some of the most significant challenges that you have faced as well of your adoption story and journey? So I feel like being adopted is both the beautiful and the hard part. Like, I am forever grateful to my family for adopting me, but also the fact that I needed to be adopted is a hard part. Like, um, I have an adult open adoption, and so I have contact with my birth mother and my birth family. And so just to have to deal with that, as well as dealing with, like, my adoptive family and my birth family and that struggle, it's both, for me, like, the beautiful part and the hard part is the adoption itself. Um, I would say the beautiful part is the community. Like, the adoption community is so special. Like, the people in it and their heart. And because they deal with really, really hard things. And like Justin said, everyone's story is different. And so the more people I've met in the adoption community, just the more my heart breaks but it also like is filled with hope um for like you know like just to hope for a good future um and i think one of the uh things like yeah that's it's good and bad like it's hard and it's great um for the community and i think another one of the hard things is representation um like we don't fully fit in like the minority culture but we're we all grew up in white families so like we can definitely relate to white culture um, and I went to this last summer, there's a conference in the Twin Cities, it's newer, it's every other year, it's called Midwest Mix, and um, it's specifically for adoptees, um, transracial adoptees, mixed race couples, and mixed race individuals, and I've never felt so seen and represented in my entire life, um, and there's, there's, not, there's no spaces like that. Um, they're just starting to emerge um, in the Twin Cities, and it's amazing, but like previous, there, there really aren't that many spaces, so. Um, I think, so I am adopted from Haiti, I have a twin sister, um, so when her and I kind of talk about like, the beautiful parts about adoption, we, I feel like we always end up kind of like in awe of like where our life started, if that makes sense, so like we started where our mom died and we were in an orphanage, um, and so that's where it started, and then like look at us like now, we're like juniors in college, and just like seeing how like that wasn't supposed to happen and how like God wrote that so beautifully. Like I think that for us is the beautiful part because it is, it's such a gift of like, this is where you came from, this is where you started and now like look where you are and look where you can go. 
Um, and so a lot of times her and I just kind of like sit back and like, wow, like no one else could write that story except God. Um, so yeah, I think the hard part about being adopted for me at least has been just growing up in like predominantly white spaces. I didn't really have the language or I don't say like the knowledge, I guess, to learn more about what it's like to be a black woman or what that even means for me. Um, so like it was just honestly recently that I like started digging into those conversations and thinking about those topics. I remember like last year I called my sister um, and I was like crying to her like I feel like a fraud. I don't even know how to be a black woman. I don't know what it's like. Like where is the manual? Like I don't know how, you know, like how this works. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember Parker Thibodeau. He talked last year in chapel um, and he said some stuff that really just like stuck out to me. He was saying how um, he like didn't feel like he fit in in white spaces. He didn't feel like he fit in in black spaces. And I remember talking to him and he said something that I will never forget. He was saying there is not like one way to be black. And that like for me was such a game changer because I was like, okay, I am black. Like I can't change that. And so who I am, like, that's what it is to be black. And that's been a huge, like, long journey. I wish I could say it's over, but it's not. And I probably never will be over. Um, but, yeah, that's been big for me. You know, I think it's um, kind of stemming off of that. You know, it's, it's easy. We, we all, when we approach, you know, uh, I think this conversation, we did this with so many other different contexts too, but um, we all carry with, our, with us, uh, with, within us, rather, um, presuppositions or assumptions that we bring. So we assume if someone's, you know, fits this profile, then we assume they may be like this. Or if they, you know, if they're black, if they're white, if they're Hispanic, if they're Asian or whatever. Um, if they go to Northwestern, if they go to Bethel, if they, you know, right? We all have, we all have these assumptions. Um, and more often than not, sometimes they're, they're based, um, uh, you know, just on a limited perspective. So um, I think when it comes to adoption, there are, you know, but even, even from as I've gotten to know um, each of you a little bit, um, even this year, um, there are certain assumptions that I think that I had that I thought, oh, interesting. Okay, I, di I, didn't, I didn't realize I had that as an assumption. I just assumed that'd be true because you were adopted. Um, I know that you've, you, you all have encountered those and you've, you've kind of butt up against those growing up and some of the beautiful and hard parts. But, but what, are, maybe what are some of the key assumptions you think that you've, you've experienced that people have, have had toward you growing up as an adoptee? stumped you all. No, no, you didn't stump us, we're thinking. Um, <laughs> I think some of the assumptions and like I think a lot of us are conditioned that when we're asked about our story from whether it's strangers or family, friends, whoever growing up is we always have to preface like, oh, my family is great. And like, it's like we have to, I don't There's know. There's always like a but. But, or, but I love my family. Yeah, I love my family, but like we always have to qualify it. And I only just recently learned, like, I don't, it, there's, sh there should be more consent in sharing and asking, and if I don't want to share something, I don't have to. I think it's really hard for adoptees, because it's, because it, when you're with your family, oftentimes it's obvious you're adopted, so people ask out of curiosity, like, what's your story? And honestly, though, that can be really traumatic, like, you don't know what you're asking, like, when you start out of a place of brokenness, that's, that's hard, that's hard to share that sometimes, and um, so I just, I'm learning more about, like, consent and, like, the heart behind asking. Like, are you asking out of curiosity or do you actually want to get to know me? Are we going to have a relationship? You know, kind of, what's the motivation there? 
so. And you mean by that consent of, um, is it okay if I ask you right. about, right. rather than just asking you? Assuming it's okay. Assuming that it's yeah. okay. What are, what are some other assumptions that you guys have faced, and maybe even growing up, and maybe even here in our own community as well? I feel like growing up, like, with a family that's all white, when you, I meet other, like, black people, I don't say I'm adopted. Like, if I can avoid that and you won't meet my family, I will do that at all costs. Because there's some people that are just, like, they don't feel my opinion is valued because I was raised by white people. And so, I mean, yes, I was raised by white people, but I've also had to, like, do my own journey to find who I am as a black woman. Mm -hmm. So, like, I still know what it means to be black. Like, I don't, like, want to overstep people that have had it worse than me because I haven't experienced it, but I also know that it happens. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like people just think less of adoptees, especially in interracial adoptions, because we grew up in white spaces. Um, I feel like there's a lot of things that people will say to adoptees, and you're just like, okay. Um, so people will be like, is this your real mom? Or like, where's your real family from? Or where are you really from? Um, trying to think of some other ones. One person, so I was in like middle school when this happened, and I was at this like dinner for like the elderly, and this old lady came up to me, and she was like, she found out that I was adopted, I don't know how. And she was like, how are you adjusting to the weather? Uh, the same as you are, like, I don't really know what <laughs> to say about that. Um, a lot of people say stuff like, oh, like, you don't have an accent, like, you speak really well English. Okay, like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know how to, like, respond to that. Um, so, yeah, there's just, like, a lot of things. It, a lot of people will ask, too, like, do you want to, like, know your um, real parents? Um, do you want to find them? And those are just, like, rooted in, like, like, if you ask that question, there's some really traumatic stuff that can come up from that. And it's not just, like, a, like, in-passing question. But I feel like the biggest one that is hard is that people assume that you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't, I feel like people don't leave space for the harder stuff and the pain. Like, they just want to hear the fun, light, easy parts. But, like... It's, it's hard to find people who are willing to, really willing to walk through the harder things and like even care about the harder parts. And that's like kind of my heart at this stage because like, adoption is so popular now. It, like when I was adopted, it was just coming out of being taboo. And now it's like, especially in the Christian communities and LGBTQ communities, like it's, it's more generally accepted. But I don't, I just, my fear is people aren't thinking deeper about it and like the, the social, personal ramifications of what that means. So what, what would be, um, let's say if someone in our community, you know, finds out that you're, maybe for some of you learning, I didn't, you know, I didn't know you were adopted, you know. Now that they know that, and knowing that that's, that's a really important thing, um, maybe what's, the, what's something that would be really helpful to then follow up with in terms of, like, acknowledging that you're adopted um, and all of what that means in terms of a question to be asked or, or, or the permission to ask a question? And what would be something that would not be helpful to, to share or to say? <laughs> I think um, 
when people ask questions, they're more, they're not always asking to listen. They're also asking to share their own perspective. And so, like, I don't know if you guys have gotten this, but it's weird. Like, I'll be like, yeah, I was adopted from India. I'll be like, oh, I love Indian food. Or, like, I don't know. They try to make a connection, and it's weird. And it's, like, semi-inappropriate and offensive. And I'm like, that's not what this is about. Like, you know, and so I, I don't know. I think just, like, asking and listening with intentionality is huge. Um, and, yeah, I think just the consent, like, to know that we're, I'm in a good space to answer questions right now. Um, and I'm at a point in my journey where I'm healthy enough and ready to, and willing and wanting to talk about adoption more. But every adoptee, it's a continuum um, of learning and of figuring out your ethnic and racial identity and just, yeah, everyone is different and it comes at different stages for every adoptee. And so don't assume that we're all like, again, when you meet one adoptee, you meet one adoptee. So yeah, kind of feel it out case by case basis. And I have to confess, that's so easy to do. So, for instance, Mariah, when I found out you were adopted from Haiti, my mind goes to, oh, I've been to Haiti. You know, and then I want to, like, talk about that. But then I'm like, wait, but I don't know enough about your story to know, can I even bring that up? You know, and so that idea of um, asking consent is huge, you know. And just, you know, would you be willing to share a little bit more about that? Do you have any memory? You know, for, you know, for example. So, um, but so this is just, it's easy, easy to easy to do that um, and uh, so um, what are well any other you, did you two want to answer that question at all or respond I know I just kind of threw that out there but. I mean I definitely agree with Macalia like just ask I feel like I'm also at a place now where I've like wrestled with it I'm okay with talking about it but I also want to talk about it with people who will actually listen I don't want to just share it just to share another story like if you want to actually listen and learn feel free to talk to me, and I would love to talk to you about it. But yeah, if you don't, then yeah, don't do it just because you're curious or you know, wow, what is it like? <laughs> do it because you actually want to learn and listen, and I'd be willing to do it. Yeah, I think like when you ask, like just making sure that we're like holding space for like the good and the bad part of being adopted. Um, I think for so long, at least for me, it's hard because for so long, like the good part has been like put on this pedestal and then it feels like you can't talk about the bad part with anybody um, except when you meet another adoptee because they understand. Um, and so yeah, just making sure that you hold space for like both the beautiful parts of it and the parts that are not so beautiful. Um, so one of the uh, parts too that we, we, we've, we've acknowledged, I mean, we, we were talking about identity this fall a lot and um, one of the, one of the, kind of the, the beautiful phrases that shows up in, in Ephesians 1, 5. It says that um, in love, he predestined us for adoption um, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he's blessed us in the beloved. So this idea of adoption is on one hand in the spiritual realm, something that every single Christian shares. Like we, we are only in Christ because we've been adopted in. We've been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Um, but the three of you have experienced that in a tangible, physical, like, way that I think helps give you a window in and a perspective to view that spiritual truth 
in a really real practical way. In the same way that when we're adopted into God's family, it's not like, hey, everything's wonderful and great. I'm saved by grace through faith. Woo, let's have a party. Like, no, life is still really hard. Jesus says we're going to suffer. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. You know, and all of that is, all of that is true. So how, how has um, the knowing and your journey and as you're, if you've been processing growing up and even now even recently of, of being adopted, how has that shaped um, your identity in Christ and shaped the way that you've walked with the Lord? And, and uh, you know, we've talked about even the fact that Jesus was adopted. We talked about, you know, even the biblical character of Moses, you know, it was born a Hebrew and thrown into the Nile and then adopted by an Egyptian and grew up in an Egyptian household and was stuck and kind of felt in between and didn't know where he fit. But it wasn't until that encounter with the Lord at the burning bush where things were redeemed and things were set right and he really began to recognize who he really was. Um, so could you, could you share a little bit about just how being adopted has shaped your relationship with Christ and what it means to be in Christ? Yeah, I think that whole concept of like, I'm, I became a believer when I was in high school and when I like truly met God, I was like, whoa, like this is real, this is personal, this is amazing and learning about like, like through Christ, we are adopted into God's family. Like my, I have an older brother who was not adopted. He's my parents' biological son. And without a single doubt, I know I am loved equally. Like I am family. Um, and like to know that God loves us like that, I don't, I don't think people who aren't adopted can grasp that. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I think for me, before, I've never really thought about it this way, I guess. But one of the things I've always remembered is that Jesus knows exactly how I feel, and he can relate to how I feel, and that is in, like, every feeling, right? So, like, it's easy for us to talk about him, like, feeling pain when we feel pain, um, but when you're, like, in a space where, like, you don't feel like you belong, it's hard to find other people um, that relate to that, um, but just knowing that, like, Jesus knows exactly how that feels, and it almost kind of I would say gives me a little bit more, like, trust in him, I guess. Like, okay, I can trust him with more of what he says because he does know what this feels like, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely on, like, what Mar Mariah was saying, there's been times in my life where, like, I didn't have anyone to talk to and just knowing that, like, God is there no matter what and you can always lean on him and trust on him and that's something that I've been always been able to hold on to, like where people go away and things die and just different things like that. Like I've always known that I can lean on God and go to God for assistance in no matter like what I'm going through, whether it be for adoption or just things in life in general. Yeah, and I think um, all of our stories are pretty remarkable and I don't think I could ignore that God was a part of that, like how far we've come and where we've come from and the circumstances, like, like, I don't know. I don't know how people could deny that God's a part of that. And so to know that he, his hand was on us from the very beginning, whether it's when we were alone in the orphanage or, you know, meeting our families or overcoming health issues or whatever it is, like, it's undeniable that God was a part of that journey. Well, and one of the reasons, too, why we wanted to have this conversation in, in chapels, you know, 
we're all here and a part of this community. And so there may be some of you out there who um, maybe you've been adopted or maybe you have an, a, an adoptive brother or sister. Um, and uh, to know that um, we're here to be able to help, to come alongside, to converse. You know, you, you, each, each of you mentioned something that, you know, there are times and seasons where you felt like you didn't fit, like there was that belonging piece was a challenge. And, and that struggle shows up in a multitude of ways in, in, in our community and on our campus. But um, for this particular one, and it's like, oh, hi, over there. I feel like I've, sorry, I like, never looked over this direction. You guys were, um, <laughs> you know, all this is in the way. But so, in other words, I, my point is that we're all in this together. And, and so I know that um, for uh, Macalia and for Mariah and for Kiera that um, they're, willing to be able to share more in the fact that they had um, just the courage and the, um, the willingness and the vulnerability to be able to share uh, and to talk about this really is really meaningful. Um, and so um, maybe, maybe last thing before we have a, a closing song of worship, is there maybe one thing that you would want to either share, uh, encourage, challenge um, our brothers and sisters here as we're together, um, just about what it means to, to be adopted or um, something around the realms of adoption of some, something to remember, something to do, something to not do. <laughs> um, maybe just one thing in a sentence or two. I would say um, with me, what you see is not what you get. <laughs> like culturally, I'm not Indian. And so I don't like to make assumptions when I meet anyone. And so I would ask, ask you to do the same. I would say, honestly, along the lines of like what you said, but more, I guess, especially like in um, places where it's like predominantly people of color, I would say not label someone as adopted um, because of their, because their ideas or experience is different than yours. Yeah, I'd just say like, take the time to get to know us. Like, yeah, we're different but we also could have like some of the same views if you take the time to actually get to know us. Yeah, could we give our three sisters just a appreciation. Um, and I'm gonna invite Keegan and Kenzie uh, back up to lead us in a closing song of worship. And I wanna, I wanna pray for us as they, um, as they come up. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this time and space that we can have this conversation for your testimonies of, of grace, um, to be proclaimed, to shine through um, Macalia and through Mariah, through Kiera. And uh, thank you so much for each of them. And thank you for how you've brought them to you and brought them to be a part of this community. And thank you for um, this community of faith here at Northwestern. I pray that um, you would help us to um, really embody and incarnate your love toward one another and toward each other um, in a new way. And, and, and help us to be aware of assumptions that we have um, that, that we help us to um, be able to, to lean in with humility, with, with grace, with patience, with a genuine uh, care and compassion toward one another. And uh, lead and guide us, uh, Lord, to view one another through the lens of love um, so that we would embody and display the supernatural unity that you, Jesus, prayed for, that you came and you died for, for us to be able to display to a watching world that you are who you say who you are. And 
the world will know that we are yours by the way that we love one another. So thank you for how this conversation and these testimonies can be um, a step in that direction of that growth and maturity in Christ-likeness. And I pray that as we uh, close and sing uh, this song, Lord, may it be a declaration and may um, these words be upon our lips and upon our hearts as we go from here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.